This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives here and is also the other person on this podcast. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. How are you? You know, it's another week. (laughs) I'm smiling. Uh, Both of those things are true. Uh Uh-huh. Are you smiling inside? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> you don't have to. It's fine to say no. You know, some parts of me are smiling and some parts are not. I oh, think that's, that's a, the most honest answer. That, it took us a little while to get to it, but I think that's going to be my new personal answer to how are you. <laughs> some parts of me are smiling, others are not. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's just a little bit of really life wisdom. Uh, we are going to jump into our topic. We are going to talk about Hamilton, the musical, the movie. Uh, that we watched on Disney Plus, along with, it appears, the majority of the world. Uh, I did an episode a while back about uh, Hamilton uh, before I had actually seen it in any way. Um, I had listened to the recording. I did that a while back uh, with Paul and Storm and Emma Fife, so you can always check that out. But I thought it would be fun to revisit with you, Sarah, because we watched it together now that it's on Disney Plus. Amazing to watch it on the 4th of July. Two hours in 40 minutes where there were explosions of fireworks going on outside the entire time (laughs) we watched this thing set in revolutionary era America. Yep. Yeah. It was quite the setting for it. It was a great setting of like, wow, Hamilton's really inspiring people. Listen to them go out there. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to do some caveats. Mm -hmm. This is going to turn into not just obsessed with Joseph and Sarah Scrimshaw, but caveats. (laughs) <laughs> obsessed and caveats. Obsessed with caveats. I am obsessed <laughs> with caveats. Uh, this is one that that's interesting because it always comes up um, in the before times when I was having uh, you know guests into our home to speak to one another loudly. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, at only about like you know two feet distance, not six feet distance. The before times uh, when I'd have guests, sometimes people would say, "I really like X, but I am not the most." obsessed person and mm-hmm. i would always tell those people like well the podcast is not called most obsessed <laughs> it's not a competition you just need to like it and then we'll talk about why you like it but i understand because both you and i had that same reaction when we talked about covering hamilton of like there are other people who can sing along to this entire 200 200 uh, two hours and 40 minutes backwards right there are people who have studied this mm-hmm. you and i watched it and enjoyed it so we are clearly not the most obsessed, right? Right. But we're going to talk about it anyway. <laughs> That's right. But we're going to talk about it anyway. Because I do like being able to talk about things that we are obsessed with in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely been thinking about Hamilton a ton is there's all this discussion going around. So caveat for caveat one, well, we are not uh, super experts. Mm-hmm. Caveat number two, uh, there's been a lot of debate. There was always a lot of debate around Hamilton, um, but it, uh, there's been a lot of intensified debate because a lot more people have seen it. I think there's also been intensified debate because, you know, it came out in 2016 and then became a big smash. Uh, and now it's 2020. And those are two very different times. So people are looking at it uh, through different lenses, which is another reason that a lot of these debates are happening. But a, a lot of the kind of most uh, substantive and I would say culturally important debates are uh, about being a person of color. The fact that it is created by a person of color and the cast is all people of color. Uh but then all of the kind of concerns about it are, are related as well. And I just wanted to summarize those general conflicts 
So I've seen a lot of, and read a lot of essays, that there's a general concern that the musical does not acknowledge uh, the truth of slavery at that time, and Hamilton's opinions, involvement, etc. in it, or the, you know, government abuse towards indigenous people. And then I've read other essays that say, well, people don't get it. This is a act of sort of a fan fiction. People mean, mean that in the most positive way, where the story of America belongs to all of us, and this is an active metatextual taking back of the American story by people of color. And I think that those arguments are fascinating and intriguing, and I am not the expert to speak on those. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. <laughs> yeah, so it felt disingenuous to not acknowledge that those are the debates, but I also just wanted to be fair of like, we're not going to spend a lot of time on those debates because we are not the best people to be talking about those debates. Mm -hmm. Out of all of that, the thing that I did want to ask you, though, because yeah. you are an expert on this, is history <laughs> and how we talk about history, how we think about history, how we teach history. How do you feel about that general idea of somebody sitting down to watch something like Hamilton? It's even in, you know, the text of Hamilton that Hamilton was not the, as well known or revered as the other founding fathers. And there's the even the implication, by the way, this is going to be full, full spoilers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's even the implication, you know, one of the many interpretations or discussions at the end of this is celebrating Eliza for recording his story and allowing his story to eventually become this big deal. So there's a lot about the existence of Hamilton that is, hey, we're bringing Hamilton back to the forefront. Mm -hmm. So people are watching this and maybe not knowing a lot about Hamilton. What do you think the historical responsibilities are of a piece of pop? culture like this. Yeah, yeah. I think it's always fascinating how people, how the creators of historically inspired pieces like this use that power because um, because I do feel like, first and foremost, to me, it is a it is a piece of art. It is a piece of theater. And there is not a responsibility to say, here is the textbook on or the five different textbooks covering different aspects and different people's perspectives of Alexander Hamilton. Mm. I feel like um, in the big picture for this, for myself, um, there is a difference between um, theater and yeah. history books. <laughs> and that, <laughs> what? what? My favorite word, nuance. It's, I don't even really think it's a nuance um, that we need to be able to distinguish between those. That said, big flashing lights, I think there is also, um, there needs to be an awareness for anybody who's creating something like this that, you know, they hope goes as big as Hamilton, that as much as it is not everything, and they pick the parts of the personality that sing to them and maybe need to change how things happen because Compress you need things, yeah. Yeah, and you need to take artistic license because it is a work of art. But you also, um, I think, have some responsibility to be aware that there is that humans are humans and whether pe a lot of people are not going to read the history books, they're going to watch this and think that this is fact and think that this is the full story. And we both can't do anything about that. And there's a little bit of like, if you're really going astray, maybe find a way to be like inspired by true events. Um, I think it's complicated because I think especially something like um, you've got, music you've got songs that's a way that things stick in people's brains yeah and so you think oh well i know a lot about this now and you do you probably know a lot more than you did before 
Uh, but I um, kind of just getting to the point of rambling uh, now about my same two <laughs> points of like, to me, uh, I think I, I this is the way that I feel. But I think I saw Ava DuVernay tweeting also like, this is theater. I, there's, that is different from the history books. I read both or I, you know, I read those two or something like that. And I yeah. feel like big picture, yes. But also um, for the creators, there is a little bit of um, understanding yeah. that needs to come from them. Yeah. Which, I mean, I will say I, I did see a tweet of uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda saying, like, yeah, I totally did not include everything. Um, and it's a two and a half hour musical. Yeah. No, I was I was I saw that I had more caveats that I oh. forgot to say. <laughs> uh, but that was one of them. And I forgot to write down of like, not only did he say that of, hey, I, I spent six years writing this two and a half hour musical and really trying to get it right. And there are definitely some things that I left on the cutting room floor but most importantly he starts with all criticism is valid mm-hmm. so he yes. is open it's not like hey shut up i made it it's awesome go away um there's also i was when i was prepping this there is a new behind the scenes documentary that's going to be on disney plus the day that we uh publish this podcast oh awesome on july 10th an interview with lin-manuel miranda and the cast and other people involved and it sounds like it's going to maybe get into some of these issues of intent and how you feel about the relationship between history and a piece of theater. Yeah. So that'll be fascinating. Oh, very fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm really intrigued by it because, yeah, I, I I don't think every piece of theater that deals with historical people needs a, like, content warning of, you know, this is an artistic licensed version of history. But then for me, it, it's fascinating because Hamilton itself has this tension where I mean, straight up, one of the earliest, you know, lyrics is, how does he become a hero? I mean, there's mm-hmm. some things in there that that say Hamilton's pretty awesome, and it's sad that we forgot him. But uh, the but the uh, the film, the musical, the musical film is also critical of Hamilton, mm-hmm. and I think that's where a lot of this tension comes from. If yeah. it was just like, here's a here's a time in history, here's a story from the Revolutionary War, it might be one thing, but so much about this musical feels like the debate of whether or not Hamilton should be revered. Yeah, yeah. And I think another interesting point that I sometimes go on about that the musical brings up itself is who tells your story. Oh, yeah. And that is, I mean, as much as I can be like, yes, if you're creating art, you should have some, you know, knowledge of some awareness that people might read it and take it as fact. But at the same time, you also want to hope that the people who are reading or enjoying or watching something will be like, hey, this is a piece of fiction inspired by fact. And we also have to remember, none of the people who are alive and part of this knew Alexander Hamilton. Um, you know, and I feel like that's part of it, too. Whenever you look at history and like, yes, this is uh, 200 and some odd years ago. But so it's relatively more recent history. But we only have the documents that we have. And if you look at it as like, what's the obligation? Well, you know, you're trying to write a thing about, you know, this thing that happened in, you know, 1172 in, uh, you know, what is now France, you don't have a lot of records. Right. So I think you always have to take some artistic liberties, even if you don't want to. And then you kind of have to, to, you know, give it your own spin. Right, right. I mean, that's kind of the job of the art is to have, a, process. Uh, yeah, to, to have an opinion on something, right? And then there's the history side of it of like, you always have to remember who's writing this textbook when and why mm-hmm. and all that. But then with an actual piece of, of creative uh, fiction, the, the who tells your story is rich in many different ways, but is a piece of theater. It's great that it's clearly explicitly talking about Eliza literally 
spending the last 50 years of her life kind of collecting his story and, and mm-hmm. shaping it. But then it also invites you to say, like, why did Lin-Manuel Miranda get so obsessed with an autobiography of Hamilton that he wrote this and cast himself as Hamilton? Right. What is that story about? And then we chose to tell not just the story, but we chose to tell it this way. So it's it, it's nice, inducing, complex and argues for it to be interpreted as a piece of theater. But then I can also see the other side of it where you're saying, who tells your story? I told your story. And that also invites like, well, then why the hell did you omit this? Then this? Then this? <laughs> why did you why did you tell the story that way? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, and I'm just going to clarify uh, he read a biography of Alexander. What did Hamilton. I say? Autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big difference. <laughs> Who tells the story of this podcast? It's you. Oh, it's no. you, Sarah. Uh, all right. So now that we've had lots of caveats yeah. and discussion, let's start the discussion. Just a uh, big step back. What is your overall reaction and the effect of not only the show itself, but seeing it, this amazingly detailed filmed musical theater live experience? Yeah. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Good, because if it was like, meh, then maybe we'd end the podcast. <laughs> I maybe should have told you ahead of time then. Um, no, I I admit I've been very curious to see it. So you kind of started with that you had um, listened to the music. I think I had listened to maybe three songs, mm. but didn't know the music, um, have not seen any of the stage versions of it. So, And I knew a little bit of just like the burble that gets picked up because it's so much a part of um, the kind of the many of the people that I'm around are very uh, into the musical. So I have heard a lot about it. Um, I'd heard a lot about Lafayette and a few of the other people that I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> have been like the first people for me to pick up on. But um, but I absolutely loved it. I loved the the music of it. I loved the stage presentation of it. I thought they did a great job filming it. Um, and it, it was really interesting to see it, especially right now when so many different, um, filmed people are trying to find what they can release right. of filmed stage productions. And, you know, I still think to not ones that I saw when they're alive, but things that were filmed like in the early seventies of here's a video camera in the corner and now watch <laughs> some people dance. And, um, you know, so it was just really fun to see what that was. And I was really curious if you if I would still experience some of the magic of live theater. Yeah. And I felt like I did. I, I'm not saying it's the same experience as being in in the room in the theater, uh, but I still felt like it captured so much energy and just was shooting it out of our TV at us. Yeah, yeah. In a good way. Yeah, I totally agree about the experience of it being uh, live and not just feeling like canned which I, I knew that it was going to be good, but it's amazing, right? Yeah. That it's, it's entirely, it's not just, oh, we recorded this one night for posterity. It was shot and directed to be a film with such incredibly specific choices about camera movement, matching actors' movements and close-ups at significant time, but still pulling back enough to not, you know, show you the audience, but to just show you the entire picture of the stage to remind you that it is this kind of stage. Um, and we and I, you and I had this, we and I, you and I had this fun conversation about, I would have taken the volume on the audience just a little <laughs> higher because that's what really makes it a totally different experience of what did the audience laugh at? Like, mm-hmm. and there's been some discussion, um, uh, in different essays I've read too, 
And I found that really fascinating about when and how did they land the laughs. Yeah. 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 I think this would be the thing because when you said that you wanted a little bit more um, audience, I was like, I think this is perfect. I would not like <laughs> any more because then I wouldn't be able to hear everything. But I think this would be one of the, you know, on like a DVD release, it'd be great to have one version with the audience reactions and one version without. Like, you know, sometimes you've got the commentary. <laughs> like maybe that's the the different ways to watch it. If you really want to listen and hear every word, then maybe you don't want the audience as loud. But if you really want to hear how the audience in the theater reacted, because uh, there might be some things that you're not quite picking up on because it, you're not there live, uh, that would be a really fun experience also. Yeah, I would take on a massive Blu-ray collection, uh, a audience-only audio track where you see the whole thing (laughs) (laughs) but you can hear every little laugh every little cheer every little (gasps) somebody with a hard candy unwrapping it everything Uh you get to hear it all but you don't get to hear anything from the actual musical yeah just for (laughs) just for one thing (laughs) just for a bonus i'm just fascinated with that you know with our history in live performance and how the audience changes how the audience energy informs the performer's energy, but also how it changes the meaning of what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to get too into the weeds of it, but there are lots of jokes where what's happening is something that we are generally culturally familiar with is, ooh, this is a sort of stiff historical debate between two founding fathers, but then it is broken down into something much more colloquially and modern. Mm-hmm. And those are almost always like the when the when the show's just going along and they need a quick laugh and you know Thomas Jefferson will just say something in a quaint way a colloquial way mm-hmm. and that's what gets the laugh from the audience mm-hmm. and you can if you're just listening to the the soundtrack you can choose to laugh at that or not but knowing that on Broadway that's the way the audience responded to it creates all these conversations because you know my opinion about uh, all comedy is coming from contrast of like is that simply the contrast between we expect the Founding Fathers to be stiff and formal. So hearing something in a colloquial modern way mm-hmm. is funny. Or I've read lots of other opinions about lots of different ways to interpret it, which adds to the much larger cultural conversation. But anyway, so enough about laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> it's not just a comedy. It's a huge, amazing uh, musical extravaganza. So let's move on. Let's just talk big picture about what we liked and or loved about it. What grabbed you? What what are you excited about, you know, days after we watched it? Yeah. So um, I really liked the combination of musical styles that were used. Um, I feel like it blended together really well. It felt like a piece of musical theater, but it was um, drawing from a lot of traditions, which I'm going to just note that I know that is also one of the controversial things about it. Um, but... To me, it really made it feel very, very alive and fun and captivating to have such a vibrant, different collection of um, musical styles that all worked so well together. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that the best I can, but that's what I've got right now. I also really <laughs> loved um, the physicality of the performers. Uh, no surprise. I'm going to talk about the dancing. Oh, please do. Um, I loved the dancing. Uh, there were some parts that were very dancey, some parts that were a little bit more just like the movement as they're moving the chairs on and off. But I just I felt like that there was kind of a nonstop physicality to the ensemble members in particular. And I just thought that that just that really sold to me a lot of the energy because there was whenever they were on stage, there was some form of energy in their setting it like, are you, you know, 
out on the town at night when you're not supposed to be there or is it the more formal party at the you know Skylar residence and like you really get that tone of setting set by the physicality of these you know I think 12 or however many um, ensemble dancers there were yeah yeah I love that just sense of constant movement obviously they had the you know stage turntable and they had Mm -hmm. the ensemble cast uh, doing lots of great movement and I like that it every once in a while exploded into what you would more traditionally think of as a dance of like there's a person singing and then there are you know four people doing you know choreographed movement behind them like dance Mm -hmm. but then I really just like that that just sort of flowed and and blended with all of this constant motion and I love the contrast just from a point of staging of the main characters were often in motion but I like that it wasn't like now and now it's time for Thomas Jefferson to truly sing and dance that Mm -hmm. a lot of it a lot of choices were well this is a big deal because their feet are locked and then they're having a conversation and then they do one little very specific choreographed movement and that it was just so great because it uh, had this great uh, sort of uh, creating of stillness and breaking of stillness while also having all of this constant movement, which of course fits great with Hamilton and the idea that he almost compulsively couldn't stop writing. And it makes you, I think, feel like you're inside Hamilton's mind because there are always ensemble pieces (laughs) characters moving pieces around in Hamilton's mind or the Hamilton of this story yeah yeah no I think that's a great point and it is I shouldn't just say they're always moving because they're what you just said there were such great moments of the stillness or just the especially like the isolation of one body part moving whether it was you know kind of the the lead characters or the ensemble members but it, it was so powerfully used and also I hadn't really thought about this until you were um talking about, you know, like Hamilton or some of the others moving around the stage that they were there and they were moving. But because you've also got these, the turntables and the other motion going on, and I realize that this happens in a lot of musical theater, but it it felt different. And I don't quite know the way to to describe it, that a lot of times there would be some sort of movement that maybe you noticed, maybe you didn't. There was just, there was, were things happening on stage and then suddenly people were in a different place. Like, I didn't feel like I ever saw, you know, Aaron Burr walk across the stage unless that was what I was absolutely supposed to be focusing on. So it kind of helped that stage direction of movement without, so you're not, you didn't ever have, like, wasted stage crossings, (laughs) which I suppose (laughs) is a fairly basic thing. And if you are, you know, have a hit show on Broadway, you shouldn't have any. But um, it was, it just felt a little different from even other, you know, very modern musicals that I've seen. Yeah, I like that it didn't have traditional wings as well either. So even in the mm-hmm. like this filmed version, you could see ensemble members or even main cast members in in the darkness, ready to move out at any moment. In it, and they were very you know present on stage. And it adds this feeling of like anything can happen at any moment, which just adds to the uh, the energy and the electricity. Yeah, I think. yeah. So I loved all that. I loved some of the songs and actors but i suspect we'll talk about that more <laughs> well uh no if there's a specific uh we'll we'll definitely talk about favorite songs but is there mm-hmm. a specific actor that you are gravitating toward oh i mean there's so many for so many different things um the actress who played angelica is kind of one of the ones that has been standing out to me ever since yeah yeah and there were a few i'm um, i i like to 
I'm not going to just talk about the ensemble cast members, but there are a few of the ensemble cast members. I was like, who was that person? They were amazing. Just like from their movement, their energy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't remember their names right now, but um, there were some that I was like, oh, yes, I want to watch that person because they're on stage right now. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of uh, uh, rewards to be had out of uh, multiple viewings. I just saw a thing on Twitter that uh, the ensemble member who is basically, you know, uh, miming the bullet Mm, uh, mm-hmm. that that hits old Hamilton. Spoilers. Um, if you track that ensemble member through the show, she has a specific relationship with death. Oh, with, interesting. She is around when people do die, when people don't die. I can't remember all the details, and I don't yeah. want to do him a disservice, but it, it has that level of reward, too, of like if you follow yeah. specific ensemble members, they are thematically coherent. Which is like, it, I think part of it is, yes, oh my, it, 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 it almost goes without saying, Lin-Manuel Miranda is an amazing writer the Mm -hmm. soundtrack is amazing the music is amazing but it's cool to see like yeah but the staging is a huge part of what makes this a uh an amazing live show yeah i agree you know yeah um for other things that uh that i loved is uh the kind of vaudeville package which is a really weird thing to say (laughs) but it's something that i'm obsessed with so i'll talk about it on my podcast obsessed is i love that we have this sort of tradition in American entertainment that is very much a little bit of everything. That's what vaudeville was. If you got comedy, you got a juggler, you got a singer, you got a, just a random dramatic scene, maybe you get a lion tamer, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's this grab bag of like, do you want to go feel all of the different things that you could feel in the theater on one night? And we've had such a legacy of that going from, you know, Abbott and Costello come directly out of vaudeville. Some of their bits are just like, yeah, people used to do this in vaudeville. Mm-hmm. Um, you have that aesthetic uh, staying around in movies for a long time in the in the 40s, 50s, 60s, where it's like, it's got everything. There's singing, there's dancing, there's comedy, there's romance, there's tragedy, there's intrigue. And that idea <laughs> that you have a little bit of everything is something to be valued. And then on the kind of television side of it, it survives as a variety show for a long, long time. And even now it's kind of still there with some of the late night shows, mm-hmm. but in a lot of ways it's sort of um, melted away. And I know it's always been there on, on Broadway in some version, but I think that to me is a part of the magic of this, of even if you don't want to like engage with it super deeply and you're just like, I just want to watch something for two hours and two plus hours and be entertained. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to dig into like, well, who was Hamilton? What is the moral? Blah, blah, blah. It's just got everything. It is funny. The music is great. The dance is electrifying. It is sad and tragic. It, you know, even it's one of those things that works on you on a, I think, deep level. Even if you're not like, I'm going to do a podcast or I'm going to write an essay. Some of those ideas are just going to stick with you in your brain. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're just walking away singing, not going to throw away my shot, that's going to make you think about your shot, you know. So it's just got all these levels of everything that you might want to experience in a live show. Uh, it's there. Mm-hmm. Does yeah. that make sense? Am I nuts? Yeah, I don't think so. I absolutely agree. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank <laughs> so you. if you're nuts, I guess I am too. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, the last thing that I wanted to specifically highlight uh, for me is uh, because it's something that you can definitely enjoy on the soundtrack, but it's not the same as seen as live is David Diggs performance. Yeah. Um, and for me in particular, it's not just, Ooh, it's really good because he's really good. But 
from my experience on stage, something that you do at that level on Broadway every night where everyone has to be in exactly the place they're supposed to be at all times, there is a risk of that starts to be stagnant. Mm -hmm. And it is amazing to see a performer who like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's hitting every note and he is standing exactly where he's supposed to. He's a damn professional, but you're watching him and you still feel like anything could happen. You don't know what he might do next. (laughs) And it's, it's not a criticism of anybody else. It's just, I think some people he's playing characters that are, you know, that play into that, Mm -hmm. but that energy that it feels like he didn't just perform this 700 other times leading up to this recording. That feels like they just did the last walkthrough. And now he's like, I think I'm going to stand here. Maybe I'll stand here. Maybe I'll do this. You don't know mm-hmm. because I'm alive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It does have that feeling of that kind of crackling spontaneity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just yeah. extremely likable and extremely just, you know, it makes you just want to keep watching. Yeah, absolutely. So the songs, do you have a favorite song or two? Uh, n- not yet. Um, <laughs> that was a great song. Not yet. <laughs> just because I haven't listened to it enough and I find that I am... Um, I am a person who like my, the first time it's like, Ooh, I love this one. And then I listen to it more. I'm like, Oh no, this is actually the one. But that caveat aside, (laughs) who says we only need caveats at the beginning? Um, I mean, certainly the, the, my shot song is amazing. And it also includes the rise up chorus, which I find very, um, uh, (laughs) thrilling, uh, but it's one, so I was listening to the soundtrack today because I knew we were going to do this podcast and I loved the My Shot song on the soundtrack, but I actually, it is one where I was like, I think I like this better watching it on the film because you have that, um, energy of all the people moving. So Ooh, yeah. that's my comment about that one. Uh, I did you like mention to see people physically rise up while they're singing rise up. Well, and specifically with the, it just felt like, and maybe it was because I just, it is I should have known it, but it's not one that I knew. So just that coming kind of out of nowhere for me was very affecting. Yeah. Um, and so there's always that like, oh, what? how does it feel after the first time that you've seen something um, that impactful? Um, and I mentioned earlier that Angelica uh, Schuyler, uh, one of the Schuyler sisters, is one that has been sticking with me. And in particular, her song, which I'm just going to forget the name of right now, even though I specifically looked it up before we started is this. Is it Helpless? Uh, no, it's the one that follows Helpless when she's giving the toast at the at okay. um, Hamilton and Eliza's wedding. Yes, Hamilton and Eliza's Satisfied. wedding. Satisfied. I love that because it, it breaks down into kind of everything that she's been thinking. It's where she throws in her like, I'm going to make Thomas Jefferson say all women are created equal also. But it's got all of, I feel like it just has, um, that is one that has multiple um, styles of music within it. And then just all of the ideas and emotions in particular that are, conveyed in that all within this mask of i'm giving a speech at my sister's wedding Mm, um yeah and i just think that she is a phenomenal performer yeah and so that so i'm gonna say that one and then uh also uh the the king george bits i just uh those are just an insane delight to me yeah so yeah. yeah i enjoyed them on the soundtrack particularly the first one you'll be back uh yeah. And I, I, maybe you'll be back reprise again. Not the biggest, uh, biggest obsessives. Um, yeah, I enjoyed those on the soundtrack, but that was another one where the performance was um, amazing. Right. And yeah. helped to uh, really sell the 
emo- like it's funny, but it's just so heightened when you can see the face and all of the spittle. Which, by the way, <laughs> so King George, very very funny. I think the the way it moved the narrative forward and it way it moved the themes forward is like so very crisp and clear. And it is a it is a contrast. Like America is this, you know, a boiling roiling a pot of ideas and so is Hamilton's mind as you have constant movement and his is one of the one of the few places where like pretty stagnant yeah and a lot of it in the movie is just close-up of him spitting as he sings yeah <laughs> do you think this spittle is a choice so here's the thing so I because I do actually I so enjoyed those that I that you googled um, King George Spittle Hamilton. No, I just was I actually googled Hamilton because I wanted to look up a few things about like actual Alexander Hamilton. Um, and of course, when you Google Hamilton, two days after Hamilton the musical, the film drops on Disney Plus. You don't get anything <laughs> about actual Alexander Hamilton. You only get things about the film. Uh, but that was great yes. because as a result, Who tells your story and ruins your Google results. <laughs> right. Um, so I was just kind of flipping through the cast. And so I, and I uh, apologize, I don't remember um, the very talented actor's name right at this moment who played King George, but I clicked because I was like, I'm super curious. Like, what else has he done? Uh, interesting. He was uh, Christoph in Frozen. Oh, wow. Yeah. But um, a lot of spit there, too, I'm sure. But he just, he's because there is, but then there is an article of like, but what about the spit <laughs> or something to that effect? <laughs> and he's like, I just spit a lot. I always have. It's not a choice. It's just who I am. Like he's like, I've been in other shows where I people like hold their programs up in the front of their faces if they're in the front row. It's just I get into it and I spit a lot. That's so great. I felt bad asking the question because I kind of felt like consummate performer knows he's being filmed possibly up close for this. Yeah. And it fits the character so well. It fits the, I'm speaking in this generally pleasant British tone, but what I'm saying is actually murderous, controlling anger. It fits so well. Yeah. I thought it was a choice until I read that. And I was like, yeah. oh, wow, that's amazing. Can you get a Tony for spitting? <laughs> if you could, he would. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that is a, that's a great pick. That was one of my picks for songs of the You'll Be Back. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really love just the introduction of the Schuyler sisters. Mm. Um, partially because for me it is one of the uh, catchiest of the, you know, Angelica, Eliza, and Peggy. Yeah. Uh, the end Peggy for me is one of those things that penetrated my cultural awareness before I had even listened to the soundtrack. I think it was one of those things I saw popping up on social media and then realized it is from Hamilton. Yeah. And because I gravitate toward uh, comedy and <laughs> meta comedy, I just really like that uh, shorthand for somebody who is not really being included that, you know, like, I was the end Peggy of that party. Of like <laughs> It was acknowledged I was there, but that was about it. So there's yeah. that to it, and it, it, it's catchy. And it just it has such great energy. Everything is so set up about who Hamilton is, who Burr is, their conflict, what's at stake, the state of America. And then here's this, this huge injection of not only uh, energy from women, but energy from that, from this different perspective mm-hmm. in many, many different ways, including this is, you know, really the beginning of let's include his personal life as well Mm -hmm. you know so there's just so much going on there that adds this like one of the things i think works so well about the musical is it doesn't stay on any one tone for too long yeah and that's one of the like breath of fresh airs we're resetting you know yeah absolutely so a lot i like about that i really like the cabinet battles again i think this is maybe me gravitating toward being fascinated with comedy structure and i think it is one of the 
places where the fact that it is a musical that at least deals with, hey, we're going to tell you who the soul of this guy was through some kind of nitpicky, potentially nitpicky political battles of the time. There are obviously very, very important, but normally when you would say you were going to see a musical about the founding fathers debating the, you know, the creation of the Fed, you know, you wouldn't <laughs> go, it's going to be exciting. And, and to just lean into that and go, we're going to, we're going to make a cabinet battle, a rap battle mm-hmm. is not only like really entertaining, but it, it, it feel that also feels a little meta to me of like, we know what we're doing. We know we're going on Broadway and really bringing this different energy and this different mood, but let's almost let, let's, you know, it's almost like pointing out like that what we're doing is, you know, uh, upsetting the norms. Yeah. You know, and just re- like really leaning into it by ter- make, making cabinet battle rap battle. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, excellent. Um, so I have theme opinions. Excellent. So I'm going to offer a thematic opinion <laughs> and then I want to know what you think. Excellent. So in terms of interpreting Hamilton... How do you feel about the thematic idea we touched on a little bit of Hamilton as the creator of <laughs> uh, that, that? That sounds like uh, did, did Hamilton make everything we know? Did he make <laughs> whales? Anyway, that's not what I mean. Hamilton as Lin-Manuel Miranda specifically, but also more generally, whenever you see the musical that you might be seeing some sort of meta level of. Hamilton is obviously the character, but he's also sort of the um, the energy that is creating the show. Let, let me right. So you're kind of seeing the show through Hamilton's eyes a little bit. Uh, no, or, here let me just I'll, I'll say it more clearly. <laughs> okay, Hamilton as Lin Manuel Miranda, because mm-hmm. he, for me, I, I enjoyed it when I listened to it as a soundtrack, but it didn't pop into my head as much. You know, sitting down to watch it as we did on Fourth of July with explosions everywhere, mm-hmm. having read people already starting to be like. Here's my Hamilton hot take, and here's my other, my contrary Hamilton hot take. I felt like it kind of, it didn't just wash over me. I, I watched it critically, mm-hmm. you know, and it, when you're watching it from a critical perspective, it's hard to n- ignore that this is a story about Hamilton being a character who uh, is feverishly, compulsively writing, uh, which, of course, Lin-Manuel Miranda <laughs> had to do to create two hours and 40 minutes of endless words and music mm-hmm. uh it, this uh, kind of obsession that only his words and his brilliance can lift him up to the heights of success that he would like to have mm-hmm. hard to ignore that when you're watching a film of one of the most popular broadway shows ever mm-hmm. i mean i know lin-manuel miranda was already successful but i'm sure at some point in his life he yep. was very much i have to take my shot I can only do it by writing this many words. You know, why do you write like you're running out of time? Uh, and then it's hard for me as a, as a creator who has worried about this uh, to ignore themes about, hey, are you obsessively choosing your work over your family? Which is also <laughs> very present. And then, uh, you know, I think it's a, a very writerly thing to say, I'm worried about my legacy. What will my story be? Who will tell my story? So I feel like, there's just a, a ton there that it's hard to not go. Is the reason that, you know, Lynn Manuel Miranda sat down with a biography, not an autobiography of Hamilton, <laughs> and saw himself in it? I don't think what I'm saying is like revolutionary, but mm-hmm. how do you feel about that? If you sat down and watched it and said, 
I'm watching, at least this film version, an amazing artist in Lin-Manuel Miranda see himself in this founding father. And I'm, I'm, yeah, it's about Hamilton, but it's also about how, how do artists, how do artists bring themselves to success and what is their legacy going to be after? And what, what do they sacrifice during their time as an artist to mm-hmm. find that success? Mm-hmm. And at the end, what's the balance? Was it worth it? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about all of that? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for my giant plate of food. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. I'm sorry. I thought I was going to be able to articulate that more clearly and succinctly. I was wrong. No, that was that was great. And I got to hear a lot of your thoughts about it, which... Which is I always enjoy. Well, there, and there might be a, another level of metatext where there, maybe there's a reason I'm seeing all those themes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll let you talk about that. No. Um, no, I mean, I think I think it's very interesting. I think it's always fascinating to think about when you do have somebody who's the creator and in a situation like this where, I, you know, he wrote the words, he wrote the lyrics, he wrote the music. I, I know words and lyrics, same thing anyway. He <laughs> just wanted to be really clear and not just say words. I wanted to say lyrics. Um, you know, he, this is his, this is his baby. It's his musical baby that he has been devoting, I would assume, a large chunk of his life to within those six years. Um, and since then, and then it is always interesting when creators do cast themselves when they cast themselves as the titular character of Hamilton. Um, and then you get to see it as then you're also, because I do feel like based partly on what you said before, like we are a little bit seeing, I feel like some of the frenetic energy of the show, which is good for men, frenetic, not overwhelming frenetic, at least to me. But I feel like that is, you made a great point earlier about that being from Hamilton's brain. But that's like, okay, is that Hamilton's brain or is that Lin-Manuel Miranda's brain or is it both? We don't know. All of that said, I, for myself, am often very hesitant to overlay too much of individual person who is a performer onto the character that they are um, portraying. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I feel like is a little bit where you're going with your question, so maybe I misunderstood part of the plate of the question. Let me ask you a specific question (laughs) i i totally agree with you i feel like yeah you can't just watch you know alec guinness in a new hope and go yep he was obi-wan kenobi he was always hanging out in deserts giving people he was like yeah like he might be a he mentored uh, mark hamill a little bit on set so yeah maybe bad example but yeah no you shouldn't just go an actor is this it's a, a different thing to for somebody who is clearly is absolutely brilliant as Lin-Manuel Miranda is, that that feels like a metatextual choice to cast himself as a character from history whose story he is choosing to tell. Mm -hmm. He is choosing to point that out by the last song and the last big idea of the show that it matters who who chooses to tell your story. And oh, by the way, there are at least surface level parts of my story, of, of this story, that seems like they're true of me. Mm-hmm. do you so it, it's not like i'm working to want to interpret it that way mm-hmm. i can't help but not yeah no i don't i don't disagree with that how does that make you how do you think you'd feel about the musical if you sat down and watched it that way and watched it as is this the artist working through is this is this show just as much about lin-manuel miranda as it is about alexander hamilton oh 
Yeah. I mean, I guess I I was going to say I, to me it doesn't seem like it is. But then again, he's the one who brought together choosing what's in it. How is it all presented? What is it? So, yeah, it is a lot of his heart and soul on that stage. Um, and Alexander Hamilton is the catalyst, uh, if you will, the the mine <laughs> that's being mined. Yeah. Um, I don't, I feel like... Um, you, feel, you feel like, you, do you think I'm making too much of this? Do, or do you just kind of dislike that reading because you feel like it is not respecting sort of the artist's boundaries as they get to tell us their intent in a documentary on Disney Plus if they want, and I shouldn't be assuming it. <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, you're welcome. You're welcome to think whatever you want. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm. It's not even... I just... I think I don't really have a lot more to say on it than what you've already said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fair is, enough. Is part of it, because I feel like, yeah, there... It clearly... I mean, clearly something in reading that biography... I almost said autobiography that time. In reading that biography, clearly something or many things uh, hooked Lin-Manuel Miranda and made him want to delve into the story and then made him want to cast himself as Hamilton. So clearly there's definitely like one many uh, connections there. And I feel like that I'm always intrigued by that. And I want to know like, okay, well, what's more about that? Um I guess is my response to that. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I might be putting myself on it because of, I think, experiences I've had. Like, I think I've told you before, like, when I first started to read about the actual life of Frank Sinatra and find out that he had some home life similarities to me, that he was incredibly thin and had been mocked for it, and that had been my life experience, I had that little bit of, like, Frank Sinatra's like me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it just, it, it honestly charms me. To imagine Lynn Manuel Miranda reading that biography and just putting it down halfway through and going, "It's me," <laughs> <laughs> in a in a good way, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I also just feel like, as a writer for myself, my own experience is every character you create, you put some sliver of yourself in. Of course. And it is, I think, I'm not saying that just like yeah, they're one for one exactly the same, but it just feels to me like some of the some of these similarities at least just the this i'm gonna really tell hamilton's story that's a he was a compulsive writer and he felt like that's how he he couldn't stop he needed to express himself to just say that while starring as that character in a musical that's two hours and 40 minutes of relentlessly clever writing Mm -hmm. just that is going to invite the comparison and i don't think there's any way he didn't know he was inviting that comparison oh yeah and i don't disagree with it i 100 percent agree with it um i but you had said that so i didn't want to just repeat that (laughs) fair enough fair enough i'm clearly i I feel like you had already said um a lot about it and i didn't disagree (laughs) with it i just didn't necessarily have more to add Okay, fair enough. We're going to move on. So the show is structured around Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we get very little insight into other characters unless it is important to the story of Hamilton, which mm-hmm. I'm fascinated with structurally. And I'm not saying we don't get uh, other insights. We know, like, Angelica has her, her song. We know why Burr feels the way he does. We know that Washington's ready to retire. But if you run all those down... They are important to tell the full story of Hamilton. It's yeah. not like we just have a subplot where, like, you know, and here's Hamilton's son's life that has nothing to do with his father. Here's an adventure he had. You're like, right. Everything relates back 
to Hamilton is very much the center. Mm-hmm. Uh, even a lot of the staging, the eye of the hurricane is you're not, you know, right. the hurricane yeah. uh, whole thing. How, um, how does that, how does that to you affect the presentation of women? If, oh. if you agree and you, and you don't have to, if you agree that that's the, that's the way the show is structured is nobody has uh, a story independent of Hamilton. Mm-hmm. That everybody's story is in service of the character and story of Hamilton. Mm-hmm. How do you? How do you? What does that make you think or feel about the women characters? Um, I mean, I guess they are also subject to the same rules of the show. But I feel like that it, that it, I do agree that those are the rules of the show. Um, that it is called Hamilton. It is about Hamilton. It is not Hamilton and Friends. Yeah. There aren't any, I mean, there are scenes, like you said, where Hamilton himself is not on stage, but there there really isn't anything that doesn't tie back into Hamilton, um, which I know you just said, so I'm just repeating it. Um, so I feel like, I feel like that is the the conceit for the entire show. So I feel like that is the conceit for how everybody in the cho- show is treated. Yeah. Yeah. Which I know feels like I'm trying to not answer your question. <laughs> uh, it's not. I'm. I'm not trying to not answer your question. I just. I feel like that's. Those are the parameters that are set up for the show, and it follows the show. Yeah. And I guess for the show, I in one viewing of it, did not necessarily have. Was not like, oh, this is ridiculous. Was my take on the first time. I know that's not everybody's take, but um, but I feel like that's kind of like okay you're watching this and if you want to you know for me getting sucked into the show i was kind of agreeing to these are the these are the terms of the being sucked into the show for <laughs> for these 2 hours and 40 minutes right this is your contract um, with alexander hamilton <laughs> is for this time you're only going to think about him and then once it's done if you're me you're going to then go would be like oh but what about this person oh but what about this person what else did they do what about this yeah, so you you really saw this is like a uh, like you saw the hyperlinks when you were watching this of like <laughs> I can hit on I can gently touch that and find out more about this actor and this actual real life person and all that. Yeah, which yeah. is a little bit kind of you know how I often view the world, especially lately. I feel like that's been a lot of how my I interact with uh, many things that I watch or read of like, ooh, this is great, but I want to go look up this now. Yeah. So I think that's wonderful. I think that that's a success of any art that makes you go, I want to know more about all of the pieces, both real and creative that went into making this. Yeah. Also, um, and I don't I don't know enough about the the actual history of the writing of Hamilton the musical or Hamilton the biography, the Ron Chernow, I think is the one that that he, um, he was going off of. Uh, but the way the show is presented, a lot of this information came from Eliza saving it. Mm-hmm. So we know a lot about, you know, Washington, Jefferson, you know, the people who were very public figures. Um, but people didn't write as much about women at that time period. So we don't have as many just like general, here's what the women were all doing. Right. Um, unless it unless there is a very specific tie and connection to one of those men. So in some ways it is reinforcing that also Eliza as his wife um, and then widow 
might not have wanted to include a lot of other information about any other women. <laughs> so maybe it was a choice. But I feel like it does actually, as I'm, I'm just kind of thinking through it as I'm saying it out loud, to me, it does feel like, yeah, if we don't, if we don't make a conscientious effort, which maybe they did, maybe they didn't need to for this, this is how we see women at that time period is in how they are connected to the men of that time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do think... It- yeah, I'm fascinated about looking at it from that perspective of the, the, that's the way this show is structured. And I'm, you know, not making any uh, excuses or, or compliments. It's just a, I, I think, you know, a reading of the way it's structured. But I think within that, there is definitely an effort to, uh, compared to maybe some other founding father stories to really underline that he needed to marry money. So mm-hmm. that's, uh, you know, the these characters shouldn't be erased because they're a big part of everything that is happening. Uh, here's the relationship. Here's that. Here's the emotional impact there. And like it, it does, I think, argue pretty strongly about like these, these, you know, women mm-hmm. <laughs> should not be erased from the narrative. Obviously, that's a huge thematic thread of, you know, yeah, Eliza taking herself in and out of the narrative and then becoming the holder of the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's very beautifully handled. And I think that's part of why I do like um angelica's song because it is about her wanting something more right you know it's kind of that the satisfied um of her not being satisfied and her like in that first song that you're talking about you like so much she's talking about um i don't remember like she wants to see new ideas or she wants to see somebody with light a light in their eyes or something like that like it's just there's such a um it's a very different perspective from like what you said like what you often see about uh, kind of the founding fathers type musicals in place. Yeah, yeah, it is relating to Hamilton, but it is still expressing uh, her desires yeah. and what what she wants to have a fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent. Um, let's talk about throwing away your shot. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find that theme uh, empowering or stressful? Both. <laughs> Should we just end that part of the conversation there, or do you want do you want to elaborate at all? Um, I mean, I, I sure. I feel like it is just to me personally. I feel like it is both because there is it. Uh, here's, bleh. um, I feel like it so underlines so well that feeling that many people have, but maybe sometimes forget to think about, and then it's just like jam in your face. Don't throw away your shot. And it's just, and especially with like the, the, um, you know, kind of the, the rhythm of it with the, you know, offbeat with the, your shot. And I just feel like it's so, it's almost like it's written, not almost, it is written to be like a jab or a shot. Yeah. Um, so that's the stressful part of it. And what was the other part that I am other than stressed? <laughs> empowered. Oh, and it's also empowering. Uh, that's right. That's right. I'm empowered uh, because it is because I feel like it does have that, uh, at least to me, it has that reminder. Like every time I'm just like going along doing my thing and then I hear something or read something and it's like, oh, right. Yes. I'm going to try to keep that. There's only so many thoughts that we can keep in the front of our brain at any time. Um, <laughs> uh, because I try to keep too many, I often have none. Yeah, because then the um, ensemble comes and moves it. <laughs> if only they, I mean, they actually, they're up there dancing a lot. And that's <laughs> one of my big problems is that I just have like ensemble dancers in my head all the time. Um, 
but it is empowering to have it be there and be um, kind of pushing you forward or pushing you to do the thing or to think about the thing or to think about what is your shot. Yeah, I think that's what's really interesting about it is I think if, if you, uh, at least for me, the effect was, shall uh, shall I? <laughs> I'm King George now. Um, should I be more mindful of when my shot opportunities are? Because it's so, it's so catchy, it's so fist bumping, uh, at least the beginning, you know, it becomes more thematically complex, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think that a part of success of any kind on any level is recognizing when to take your shot, which I think is some of the tension with Burr's waiting. Yeah. And, you know, it, it feels like Hamilton's, I'm, you know, I'm at least early in his life, you know, I'm not throwing away my shot, so I'm going to shoot constantly. Right. Right. Uh, shooting is talking. Yeah. And I, I just, and I think that's part of it, too, of like, I'm not going to throw away my shot. You know, you, if, there are obviously many specifics that tie it to Revolutionary War, but that could be a musical about somebody wanting to make it on Broadway. Oh, yeah. And it could be the song, I'm not going to throw away my shot. And uh, yeah, it, it's kind of an I want song, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like in some ways it is. I mean, I, I like you said, I know he's done other things, but it's like, I'm putting this up. Hamilton is my shot. Like, I'm not throwing away my shot. Like, yeah. the musical of Hamilton. Yeah. I mean, he, he already had that one know, successful musical that he didn't throw away. But I, I, that's why I started <laughs> with the under the breath. Yes. Additional. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Sorry. I did not mean to be uh, correcty. Um, yeah. So I think there's also just like it, it, the my shot at the beginning really underlines the idea of him as a self starter. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be stressful because. It is so inspiring to say, look for when your opportunity is. Don't, you know, don't let it pass you by. Try. Yeah. But I think the reality is like sometimes depending on circumstances, luck, money, powers that you cannot control, you can wait, you can line it up, you can take your shot and it's not going to uh, propel you to the heights of government power or Broadway power. Mm-hmm. because plenty of people make their shot and it just doesn't matter, which is yeah. <laughs> stressful. Right. <laughs> um, so in the My Shot theme, uh, a lot of people have been discussing because they get to see it visually uh, if they haven't already or were maybe overwhelmed and they saw it in the theater that in the final duel, Hamilton does sort of throw away his shot. He chooses not to shoot. Mm-hmm. What what meaning did that have for you? What when you just as you were watching, mm. why did you feel like Hamilton didn't shoot at Burr? Why did he, you know, metaphorically throw away his shot? Um. So I took it probably more literally than I was supposed to. Honestly, I felt like he had told his son he had not said no. Don't go to a duel. He had said <laughs> shoot into the air. Which, granted, is good advice if the other person had done that, too, because you don't want to have wounded or killed the other person. But I felt like, to a certain extent, like he had to follow the advice he had given his son and not actually shoot. Yeah. So you felt like it was a a honoring his son? No, I mean, I th- that was, I mean, to me, it's, it's very much obviously about the staging of the, of the play. So to me, that was our artistically i felt like he had to throw away his shot um but i feel like um would you have liked it uh, better if like he just totally blew burr away and then there was a big party 
<laughs> if you're taking artistic license. Right? No. No. Um, <laughs> because that would mess up the beginning where Aaron Burr's like, and I'm the one who shot him. That's true. Yeah. Uh, no, I feel like also it is a moment. Like, we have seen Hamilton throughout this play trying to figure out when are the moments to take his shot. Yeah. And we see him try and fail. We see him try and succeed. Um, he's taking, he gets to take multiple shots that do well. Good for him. But I feel like in the way it was staged, at least in that moment of hesitation, um, he, this was not his shot. Yeah. So he was not like actually shooting Burr, who was, I believe, the sitting vice president, right? <laughs> like, whole bunch of reasons not to take the shot uh maybe i'm maybe i have my ears wrong maybe i'm wrong about that but um i I think he might have been i think that's i think that is one of the moments of history that is a little compressed yeah yeah um but like maybe maybe not shoot the sitting vice president (laughs) because you are angry yeah took offense yeah. Well, it was more Burr who took offense, at least in the telling of the musical, right? Burr took offense. But, I did look this up a little bit. Burr oh, took offense. Yeah. And then um, Hamilton was given many opportunities to back down. So in reality, he did not back down. And he did not back down. Yeah. Um, because he, I believe, told Eliza something to the effect of, you know, better to eye with, die with my honor intact than to, uh, you know, back down, which would be a against his honor yeah um and he did apparently according to this uh it is a it was on a historical website that i was reading it of um that was about hamilton in general um and then had a few things of like oh by the way the musical came out so now we're gonna add a few things because everybody's asking us about this um <laughs> well, that's great yeah but they he they think he did actually shoot first but he shot wide okay so he did take a shot he just missed it in real life yeah on purpose is, is the is the interpretation oh that's of the, that historian okay that historian believes he shot wide on purpose mm-hmm. yeah interesting yeah in terms of the musical there's so okay, much sorry. no 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 sorries at all thank you Back for the musical. insight yeah i know but did we this has been one of the themes of the podcast <laughs> that we like the musical as a jumping off towards the real history so thank you for sharing it yeah yeah i i love it because there's so much going on and it is so beautifully uh, woven together all of the different themes that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, part of, for me, my interpretation, part of the, you know, writing, you know, why are you writing like you're running out of time is because he, he ha- the, at least the Hamilton of this musical, grew up rough and he's got that song early about I expected death to come for me. So what do I do now when I have all this life? And, um, and, and I feel like I'm going to run out of life at any time. And then, you know, it's my son who runs out of life and because of my advice and I am so obsessive and I I have made you know all these bad choices and is it just is it time for it you know I can't believe I live this long is it time to just you know accept it but then I also like interpreting it which sounds like might be uh the uh, in agreement with the historian that it physically looks like a metaphor for throwing away a shot but it seems in in line with the character to me to be obsessive of I make a decision and then I just don't stop. I take a shot. I take a shot and I find a way to make it happen. I want to be in the, I want to work. Uh, I want to be in the revolutionary set. I want to, you know, be Washington's uh, second hand. Mm-hmm. I want to be on the battlefield. I want, I want, I want, and he gets and he gets and he gets. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that a part of it is this sort of 
character study of he achieves all these amazing things, but at what cost? Yeah. And that last moment feels like it feels strangely peaceful and resigned, but in a way I also feel like it is a moment of, I think this is the way duels should go. It's the way I told my son to do it. It's the way it should be done. He maybe even has a misreading of of Burr, that Burr is always waiting and always questioning and never striking when he should. So I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's not him throwing away a shot. It's him being obsessive about this is his his version of uh, of taking his shot is shooting wide. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that that's what I meant too. I didn't mean throwing away a shot. I meant oh yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know. No, I but I completely agree with what you just said. Um, and I think also, you know, he's been. Who knows if this is what he was thinking through or not, um, either in the play or in real life. But um, you know, he's done all of these things, and is you know really thinking about you know the the play really makes the point about who tells your story. Um, and also to an extent, then what are you remembered for? And, you know, he's been in all of these, like the revolution and, you know, the, uh, secretary of the treasury and all of these very influential things that not many people were, you know, living in, in a place of that much power at that time to be able to, or have, you know, made their way into that. Um, there aren't that many people who are there at that time. Yeah. And what it's interesting to me be. I'll get get back to that, oh, but I was thinking uh, throughout the play, because you have that great line I mentioned earlier of Aaron Burr's at the beginning, like, and I'm the one who killed him. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. So I kept thinking throughout, like, you know, it's interesting. I know nothing about Aaron Burr other than he killed Alexander Hamilton and was <laughs> disgraced. Like, that's kind of, to me, the one sentence version of his history. And I, you know, I haven't studied a lot of early American history. It's not like it's a thing that I know a lot about. Um but I don't, maybe other people know a lot about him, but I didn't. And so I was very curious in this musical, are we going to find out a lot of other cool things about Aaron Burr <laughs> and then be like, oh, and isn't it sad that we only think of him for this one thing now? Yeah. And nope, we didn't. <laughs> At least I didn't. But take that back to my point and kind of contrast that with what if Alexander Hamilton had been the one to take to actually shoot Burr, then would that be all he's remembered for? Ooh, yeah. Like, yeah, can you believe the guy who created the financial system of the United States of America also also just shot <laughs> this, you know, high-level political leader? Jeez, mm-hmm. come on. Right? Yeah. What a hothead. <laughs> what a hothead. Yeah. Well, in, in the everything with Hamilton and Burr has done so well to have that, that contrast. Yeah. And that's a great just kind of take into your day-to-day life of, like, when is it wise to be like Burr and just wait for the right moment. And when is it virtuous to just always, always be saying what you think Mm -hmm. to anyone who will listen, you know? Uh, And I mean, they definitely, the the play itself dings Burr for like, I'm going to try not to say anything. So everybody thinks they agree with me, Mm -hmm. you know, but there is virtue in patience and taking a deep breath and making sure your powder is dry (laughs) as it were. Um, so Eliza gasps right at the end. Yeah. And it, that's been really fun to see conversation because of course people who love the soundtrack or even people who saw <laughs> the show from way in the back, didn't fully experience that. And everybody's getting to fully experience that in this movie version where it's, you know, right there on the camera. Mm-hmm. How did that hit you? And how did you interpret 
uh, Eliza's sigh at the end. I I will or gasp. Ga- I, guess I was gonna say I'd say gasp. Um, I don't know, and <laughs> I haven't had time since we watched it. It sounds like I've had lots of time with all these other reading things, but these they they were all very quick. You um, can't just Google in history why did Eliza gasp? No, yeah. but there are lots of things of like all the d- different theories of you know why Eliza gasps and things like that. Not that I can't have my own opinions, but I was I hadn't heard about it ahead of time, so I was caught up in the moment of the play and was like wait what was that was my reaction at the moment okay at the time um how did yeah go ahead just saying what's coming into my mind right now always dangerous but i'll do it anyway (laughs) um i almost i feel like maybe it's a sense of you know she the end is, is her talking about collecting all this information and yeah you know and it's kind of is if it's her gasp of her letting go of it now and letting it into the world. Mm, of like, yeah. <gasps> it's nice. not like kind of like she's dropped the papers. <laughs> nice. How did Maybe. it make you feel? Just when we're sitting and watching it, how did it? Confused. Confused? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not in a bad, because I was just like, I. Th- there was so much, not confused. I mean, yes, confused, but not like, oh, I can't think anything else now because I'm confused. But I was just like, oh, and then we're here and we're at the end and we're there. And then like, wait, what was that? Yeah. I yeah. What I, did you think? I I felt um, relief because even though it was a gasp and it seemed like she was that she was somehow absorbing information or sort of transforming in some way, mm-hmm. that it felt also like a, a gasp of like transition of change mm-hmm. of in a, there and there was an element of like joy to it. Like it's very emotional, but it also it didn't feel like something bad happened no, no uh in, in any way to me um and i just really like moments that like on the soundtrack the, the you know the chorus just fades out and you know who will tell your story well the you know just really textual answer is well eliza told hamilton's story and isn't that nice mm-hmm. i didn't mean to downplay that but just like to have to see that the actual theatrical presentation ends with a moment that invites you to have different interpretations of it. And it makes so much sense for this is the Ben, this story about this person who writes compulsively and has a million ideas and is just, what's the next thing? What's the next thing that this story would end, not just with all of these complicated ideas about who tells your story, but would end with that energy of what's next. Mm, That it's not just a, and Hamilton died, and then Eliza kept his story, and now you're hearing the story, and we close <laughs> the book. Good night. Yeah, it, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, that's kind of part of it. It's like, you know, we're used to storytelling that a lot of time just closes a storybook, and this felt like it was at, uh, in some way setting up the sequel. You know, not literally, but there right. are those ideas, too, and like, that's literally in, the, in the, the, the music, too, of like, I want to be in the sequel, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like instead of ending it with a period, it ends with a dash. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Not even a question mark because it still feels complete, but it feels like we're stepping into this next chapter. Yeah, yeah. And that's a really good point about it. Plenty of different ways to interpret what the next chapter is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I saw that somebody uh, had a video on Twitter really breaking it down that they feel like the intent is uh, so Lynn Manuel Miranda Hamilton in this version at least, because <laughs> other people play Hamilton, obviously, uh, 
walks Eliza up to the edge of the stage and there is a light change. Mm -hmm. And based on that, this person's idea and interpretation that other many other people agreed with uh, is that idea of it is very metatextual of sort of presenting like, look, Eliza, I'm breaking the fourth wall. This is what you did. You Mm. told the story. It got written about in that biography, not autobiography, and it became (laughs) this and you are what what is happening right now is you you did all this this yeah. is your legacy and that gasp is uh, you know shock and wonder and joy yeah no i i really like like that yeah mm-hmm. yeah cuz it is that coming around to and it's also like we keep saying hamilton and obviously it is about him and i i know this gets brought up sometimes but like but it is also about her because she's the one who not just because she's in his story but she kept him in her story. Yeah. Yeah. And she kept herself and her sister in, and, in yeah, the story. And kept the story. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like that. <laughs> yes. And Peggy. <laughs> yeah. It's a really beautiful, complex, and uh, interesting ending. Yeah. And, and I think for me, I, I keep talking about how much Hamilton is writing, but I also like that so much of his writing is persuasive mm-hmm. of wanting people to believe something. So it's not just, I think it's a human thing to want to know what our legacy is going to be and, you know, to wonder what parts of our lives will we be remembered for? You know, you know, Coco is a great film about like, you know, you only stay alive while you're, well, while you're remembered, you know, mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. But to specifically add this, this person who had a life where he was very conscious of my gift is to write persuasively to be really interested in who will write a persuasive piece that makes an argument for who I was. Right. Which only makes all those, all these discussions we're having now about what does the play mean? What does it mean in the context of the now? Because what, what is being said about Hamilton, you know? Yeah. So it extra invites it because it's just so like, this is a person who did persuasive writing. Here's an incredibly persuasive piece of theater about this, you know, complex historical figure mm-hmm. so it, i mean it, it, there's a real dash there too of like we're invited now to go like are we cool with the persuasive argument about who hamilton was right or is there more that we need to also be looking at and talking yeah. about or is it google time yeah yeah <laughs> um my last big question is more just about the experience what do you think is the value of the cultural experience that many people had where this became available on Disney Plus. Not everybody, of course, has access to Disney Plus, but many people do. Um, and Fourth of July weekend, so a thematically appropriate time, and we had this big cultural moment where lots of people absorbed this same narrative at the same time. What do you think the value of that is just for a community of people to be all sharing the same story? <laughs> I mean, I think it's I think it's great. I think it's a really... I mean, I think it's really smart of Disney to put it out <laughs> and to put it out this weekend. But I think, you know, it's especially in the reality that we are in with the pandemic and everything that is going on for people and a lot of um, a lot of other things going on as we have had <laughs> minutes and minutes and minutes of uh, conversation about before. Um, I think it is also interesting to have some of those touch points where we come together or some of us come together as a larger community, as a community of people who are at least interested enough to watch it and to see what it has to say, who didn't have the 
opportunity or the inclination to see it or weren't near a place where a touring production was or didn't have, you know, the money or weren't able to get tickets. There's lots of reasons why the majority of people have not seen Hamilton in person. Um, so to me, I thought it was really interesting. And I feel like it's a I liked it um, with the, you know, being released over the 4th of July weekend because I feel like it's a good it's a good time for for self-introspection as a country. <laughs> um <laughs> And there's some ways in which this does offer that, others where it doesn't, but it does bring up, um, a, I was going to say a character, but a, a real-life person um, who people didn't know that much about. Um, many assumed he was a president because he's on money. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, that often comes up. And I feel like, and also a very different telling with different people on stage than a lot of times you see for Broadway shows, especially about founding fathers, where you get to see all of this diversity and all of these people um, getting to tell this as part of their story of, you know, as their jobs as actors. Right. But, but regardless, it's, but regardless, it's, the, it's, it's the, they, huge. they took their shot and it. It's the story of the success of those human beings who yeah. wrote and directed and performed the living hell out of this sea change piece of theater yeah and sea change absolutely so um anyway i'm i'm waxing around in circles uh (laughs) (laughs) to say that i mean i think i think it was um orchestrated but it was very well orchestrated and i certainly enjoyed it and kind of felt like for myself this was a great time to see it and really think about some of the things that i wouldn't have necessarily otherwise been thinking about um in this past week yeah yeah, I, I, it was really fun and interesting experience to see so many different people experience it in a different way or for the first time or um, and just see all the different posts. Sometimes, you know, pop culture events, I, I can get a little bit of like, oh boy, here come the uh, the hot takes and then the, the reactions to the hot takes and the cool takes and <laughs> all the takes. But I think there was something about regardless of if you enjoy it, regardless of, you know, if you have a strong opinion based on a specific reading there's i feel like culturally we need as many ways to sort of remember we're all connected as humanly possible Mm -hmm. and having this sort of large cultural experience of many of us are watching this same thing uh is really great by itself because it just gives us a sense of community Mm -hmm. and then i think if nothing else regardless what do you think about it this is a story that is really actively reminding you history doesn't happen to us. We make history happen. Yeah. And as I have to say on every podcast now, I'm not currently calling for armed <laughs> revolution. But uh, to see this story of the decision to make America mm-hmm. and remind you that you don't just get hit, swept up in history. It's a living thing. And we can make change again, not our calling for armed revolution, but I think to just feel that it's this show is so alive and so powerful mm-hmm. that I think it's almost cathartic to just have that reminder of like, if you want something to be different, you can try to be part of it and mm-hmm. try to take your shot and make change. Yeah. Is yeah. a good idea for us to hear right now. Yeah. On a very tiny example of that. Yeah. Um, so I was on, I think it was like the BBC history page, and there's been talk about changing who's on some of the um, dollar bills. And Hamilton was, I guess, I didn't know this or remember this, It was they were going to take Hamilton off. 
Oh, wow. Um, and then kind of, that it was at least under consideration. I shouldn't say it was like a decided thing. Um, but that was around the time of right when Hamilton came out. And then suddenly Hamilton is like well-known and popular. So instead they're taking Andrew Jack- Jackson off, which better choice, I'm going to say. I'm okay Or at least good that. choice. Yeah, let's make that history better, happen. But let's, yep. Yeah, yeah. So history can happen, even by musical theater. <laughs> uh, I didn't need to ramble at all because you could have just said that. That's been <laughs> the whole podcast. We're going to do some quick plugs and then we'll do our final questions. Uh, where can people find you? You can find me talking about history and history podcasts and nuance and trees um <laughs> sarah underscore scrimshaw on twitter and uh, tweet, uh tweeting not tweeting gramming pictures of cocktails and trees on an instagram <laughs> scrim street <laughs> excellent i look forward to your gramming you can follow me on twitter and instagram where i gram as at Joseph Grimshaw, you can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook as at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host that is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows, they will come again. And comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephsgrimshaw.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephsgrimshaw. And as we've been pointing out uh, every week, if you want to help people, there are a bunch of different resources on blacklivesmatter.com. All right, here are some final questions mm-hmm. if there was a musical about you what would you want the title to be just oh. like your name or something flashier oh i think i would want something other than my name okay um a few reasons there's a lot of sarah's um there are different ways to spell it and so half of the the press about it would be spelled incorrectly <laughs> um yeah so i'm gonna go for something else but i don't know what it is yet okay sorry that's just fine this yeah. is fine You've been using lots. You've been having fun that you say trees nuance. And what's the third thing you say here? Climate change. Climate change. (laughs) Do you just want it to be called trees nuance and climate change? Or do you want it to be nuance? (laughs) Exclamation point. Nuance. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. Jazz Um, nuance. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Trees and nuance. (laughs) Razzle dazzle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Who would you want to tell your story? Somebody who understands nuance <laughs> and who appreciates uh, a good tap dance. Aww. There would need to be tap dancing. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Very and good. And some good, some good uh, modern dancing as well. Good modern dancing yeah. as well. Uh, I think that's that's very and uh, yeah. Trees on the stage. Yeah, modern dancers pretending to be trees. No, actual trees. Like not actual <laughs> trees. Like tree set pieces. Like tree sets. Some okay. part of it should. There needs to be trees. I mean, hello. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to develop really strong opinions about this. <laughs> there will be nuanced trees for sure. <laughs> if it was common practice to have squirt gun duels to decide matters of honor, what would you duel over? <sighs> climate change. <laughs> you insulted the signs of climate change. <laughs> squirt gun duel it is. That's right. And it's with water, so this is going to help that perched ground underneath you. <laughs> It all works out really, really well. <laughs> Better than, you know, a normal type duel, a squirt gun duel. Uh, well, as always, thank you for, for doing the big old podcast. I'm sorry. I did get extra obsessive about that specific question about the, the seeing the author in the work. Uh, so I'm sorry I got a little obsessive about that and could not uh, step off of it. But clearly, 
I'm obsessed. I'm going to say that I hear you, but you don't need to apologize on your own podcast called Obsessed about getting obsessed about something. <laughs> but I feel like that, we started with truth. caveats. I feel like I should end with caveats <laughs> for thematic, you know, cohesion. Yes. To have plenty of caveats. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I accept caveats. Okay. Is it okay if I do one more caveat? Sure. Okay. So the other caveat that I, I do this for Star Wars, so I'm going to damn well do it for Hamilton. I just always like to say that I love having lots of lots of different opinions and lots of different uh, I feel like people should really, really state their opinions as opinions because I feel like that opens the door to the conversation mm-hmm. rather than shutting it by just saying this is what I think. So it's always really important for me to say, not only am I not an expert in Hamilton, I've listened to it once, watched it once. So it's important for me to re- reiterate, these are my opinions. There are things I could have easily missed and I respect that there's just so many different opinions out there mm-hmm. and i think it's great actually i sometimes do get mad mad about this sort of oh it's a hot take versus hot take battle but like that's the richness i think of this piece of theater is that it invites these discussions and i think it's great that people are having lots of different points of views and sharing them and hopefully you know learning from one another yeah i i underscore everything that you just said and agree with it and say, like, also, it's getting lots of people to really think about and talk about history in a different way. And as a fan of history, how can I not love that? Yeah, right. This is a great big old history uh, starter pack. <laughs> <laughs> Final question on the podcast always, what is happiness? So in this time where we've been talking a lot about Hamilton and history and nuance and trees and climate change, <laughs> what is happiness? Knowing when to take your shot. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. If you could have a drink with a character from Hamilton, I realize the characters are historical figures, but if you could have a drink with a character from Hamilton, who would you want to have a drink with? Angelica. And I would clarify, I would take either the actress playing Angelica Still playing Angelica, because that might be fun. <laughs> Probably weird and annoying for her, and I don't want that. Um, or the, uh, from what I know from the musical, uh, the actual historical figure of Angelica. Oh, wow. Yeah. How about you? Uh, Peggy. 